Hi, I'm Anthony. I'm Josh. And welcome to 52 in 52, a podcast where we watch one movie a week for every week in the year and do a review about it. Today we're going to be talking about The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's newest movie. Josh and I both saw this in 70mm in the roadshow that Tarantino's doing. And if you don't know what that is, basically Tarantino shot this in 70mm and then released it in a special viewing in 100 different cities, I think. And basically what's unique about it is the movie has like a musical overture and an intermission. And, you know, it was cool. We got a little, like, notepad. What did we get? Like, a gift from it. A pamphlet. Pamphlet with the pull-out posters of Tim Roth and all the other hateful characters. And it was cool. But um, also the the 70 millimeter itself yeah. is a special viewing experience. If you're not into the big film versus digital debate, it's hard to really articulate it a lot. Because I can sometimes tell when something's uh, done on film versus digital, and other times it just doesn't jump out as much to me. But you could definitely tell this movie just it did pop a little more and it looked really good. Yeah, no, it was it looked great and as all Tarantino films do and with each passing year with technology, they're always gonna look good. So this movie, the plot is basically there's eight people that have all been in Tarantino movies before, stranded in a cabin. Yeah, I know, not Jennifer Jason Lee, but for effect. Um they're in a stranded in a cabin during a snowstorm, during a blizzard, and they have to hang out with each other. Kurt Russell is taking prisoner of J- Jennifer Jason Lee, and he wants to make sure that nobody either takes her from him or kills her so that he can turn her into the hangman in the local town so he can get his reward because he is a bounty hunter. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie, Tim Roth, Walter Goggins, Michael Madsen, Jennifer Jason Lee, Bruce Dern, um, a couple other people. There's a Gonna, we're gonna do a spoiler and a non-spoiler section. There's definitely a cast member who might be a spoiler, so I'm not gonna not gonna say anything about that until later. Um, so, Josh, what did you think? Did you like the movie? I actually saw it a second time yesterday, and I don't think I liked it quite as much the second time. I, I left it the first time in that in the roadshow experience, being really eager to go back again because of some of the stuff that happens in the second half really makes you want to rewatch the first half. And I went back, and I wasn't exactly totally sure why. I'm tr- I want to think about the best way to explain this if we're doing a spoiler section. But I really, one one thing I can say is that I talked to people before I went and saw it, which you kind of scolded me for, which was kind of dumb. But a lot of it was just unavoidable. Some of it was Twitter. Some of it was just people approaching me and saying, "Well, this movie is like a very long version of." Uh, Reservoir Dogs or the bar scene from uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django. Well, yeah, there there are some obviously some similarities with the Western type parts of it with Django, but I what so I, I was kind of expecting just a very quiet two hours and then a, an explosion of violence, and that's not exactly how I how the, I envisioned the movie. But everyone just is like, oh, the first half's really not that good. The second half's where it's good, and I actually enjoyed the first half more. Yeah, for um, sure, and. I, I mean, you can't just only go to the movie just for the violence because I think you're kind of going in with the, with the with the wrong aims of what you want to get out of a movie, a Tarantino movie, if that's all you're there for. And I thought that the first 35 minutes, which is really just it's it's a carriage ride, and everyone was just bitching so much about it after after I heard people talk about it, and so that I knew kind of what I was expecting going in, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just gonna get really bored and. I don't know if that was my f- exactly my favorite stretch of the movie, but I, I could have been in there for another twenty minutes, and I would have n- n- not been upset. It, it it did cut away, I think, at the right time. I thought I did start to get a little tired of it, but compared to the rest of the movie, I thought it was maybe the most well done part because 
like you said, Samuel L. Jackson's playing, and Bruce, and Kurt Russell are both playing um, bounty hunters. And I did like that was my favorite part of the movie was just whenever the two of them were interacting. And because a lot of people have been talking about about whether this movie is Quentin Tarantino trying to make some kind of commentary on modern race relations, and I think that might be giving him a little, him a little too much credit. And I think in some ways he's probably just leaning into that and saying, yeah, sure, I did that. Like, it wasn't like he was writing this as the Ferguson stuff was going on. It was already written before that. So I think you're, one, giving him too much credit for that. But I thought my favorite part was how these two characters interacted and how it, it is a little bit of a... The, the Kurt Russell character sees himself as a guy that is more enlightened than a lot of these other characters. He's bragging about how he doesn't use the N-word that much and how he thinks that that's just not a very civilized way of addressing these people. But then, as soon as, but then, as soon as he finds out that this Lincoln letter that Samuel L. Jackson's been carrying around all the, the whole time is m- maybe not exactly authentic, he just says, "Oh, you people, we can't trust you." And it, it kind of reminds you of how a lot of people that like to think they're very progressive and they are totally with it, and dis- they're really cool with black people, and it, it might just be only to the extent that like they help their sports team or that they're in movies they like, and they pretend to be a lot more enlightened than they actually are. And I, that was probably the part that worked for me, was just seeing that dynamic play out between those two characters, and I really liked that. Um, I know I just said I didn't like it that much on the second viewing. I went on to say exactly what I liked, but, I mean, I don't know, you were kind of nodding along. I mean, it sounded like that part of the movie did work for you in, in getting introduced to those characters, at least. Yeah, I, so I, I thought the first half, or before intermission, was the mm-hmm. best part of the mm-hmm. movie. I only saw it one time because I felt that that's all I needed to see. Yeah. Um, we I think we're going to dive into Tarantino discussion a little bit uh, mm-hmm. after this, but I mean, you go to the you go to the Tarantino movies for the dialogue, right? He writes the the best dialogue out there nowadays, and that's what you go for because you know a lot of people can make these western type movies and these throwback type movies, gore, violence, whatever. But Tarantino just has a knack for the way that he writes, and no matter what it is, you always enjoy it. And no matter the content, I mean, I know people that don't really like Tarantino movies, but they can appreciate how he writes and. Yeah, I thought Kurt Russell's character was really cool, and that that dynamic that was shifting, you were talking about like the N-word and everything, that was one of my bigger problems with the movie, honestly, the way that Tarantino used that so much, and even more than Django, where it's a movie about slavery, and it's just... like two years after the Civil War, though, it's pretty much the same era. Yeah, okay, but that's just an excuse, I mean, it... It wasn't subtle at all. He he was trying to make a point, right? Because you said the shift in when people are saying it or not saying it to Samuel Jackson's character, or when they're talking about black people, and you know he just it was just too much. You can get your point across without doing it so much, and it was it was just like for effect for like the white people in the audience, like oh look, they said the n word. Now I get that that person's a racist. Like you can do better character development than just having someone say that in order to to show what kind of person they are to me. Um, but one thing I'll say for Tarantino is, I don't know how you felt the second time, but when I watched it the first time, it felt almost like an hour. The movie buzzed by. It was great. It did not feel that long to me. And that's usually with the long movies. If you can f- tell that it's long, you usually enjoy it less, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, that was part of my... I, I think I can say without spoiling anything that because of where they put the intermission in the Roadshow version, it's not like they cut it exactly in two. Oh, uh, yeah, it's like two hours deep, I think. Yeah, so I'm trying to see where I have the... I, I think I took this from... Uh, I was highlighting it because it just really kind of expressed how I felt without better than I could have. There was the New Republic's review of the movie 
where it said the movie is broken into two halves. The first is slightly longer. The second, the first is slightly longer than the second, but the split is a strange one. The big event that both illuminates the first half and sets the stage for the second happens nearly three quarters of the way through, and it almost makes the ending feel rushed, an odd feel after so much of the movie takes its time, which I kind of agreed with. It felt while I really was appreciating whatever it was building towards because of where they put that intermission. It just feels like it, it. The movie finished a lot quicker than it should have, and while I didn't like the movie as much as my second viewing, without an intermission, it f- does flow a little more in that you don't feel like they're rushing through necessarily at the end. Is there any more you want to say about the characters, though? I went into this movie very blind. Like we were at a lot of movies together in the fall, and I, I just like I looked down, I put in my headphones. I didn't go as crazy as I did with the Revenant. The Revenant, I just ran out of the theater every time that second trailer came on because I heard people say it gave away a lot. But for this, I just like looked at my iPhone and put in my earphones and just didn't want to hear anything. I'd, I know it's going to be Tarantino's dialogue. I'd rather just wait till I see the movie to even hear any of it. So I didn't know anything. So I don't know if there's anything more you'd like to say about these specific characters, the performances. No, I mean, um, I think we can both agree the performances were really good. I think if you're going for the writing and for the dialogue and everything, it's it's worth it. It's because even it's not if a bad it, movie even if all. Anthony still sounds negative on it, like a bad Tarantino movie is better than a lot of other people's good movies. Yeah, and I and I don't know if I'd even go quite as far as to say bad for me, even if if Anthony does because it is weird. But obviously, whatever's at the bottom of your list of Quentin Tarantino movies is going to be better than seventy five percent of the other stuff out there. So. Definitely go see this movie because it just one it looks great and th- that's the one thing I can say about the seventy millimeter because after my first viewing I thought well that's great that he f- was able to get together the lenses that shot Ben Hur and he got the really nice projections for the special theater productions of it and it looked really good but why like seventy five percent of this movie which is not a spoiler to say takes place in a cabin. And why do you want to go with all these really special lenses just to have some wide shots of all this scenery that's just kind of used as a transition from one scene to another and then just use these special lenses to be locked up in a room? But I did get, I think even though I, I, the second time I saw it wasn't the road show and it wasn't on the special projector, I did have an, more of an appreciation for the film that he shot it on, even if it wasn't being projected on the special stuff, because you do notice a lot of the stuff inside the room that you probably don't notice just in any interior scene in other movies. Like, you see dust is floating around, or you see the smoke in the background from someone smoking, or I, f- I feel like you could even, like, pick up the fabric of people's clothing a little bit more just with how it was shot. So I do think there is a lot... It, just on that second viewing, despite the fact I was on really not looking at as nice of a product, like I still had an even greater appreciation for the detail with which filming on that type of 70 millimeter film does enhance the final projection, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're going to do spoilers first, and then we're going to have a little Tarantino discussion. So we both liked the movie enough to say that you should see it. Um, if you want to know more about what we think about it specifically in the Tarantino pyramid, we will have a timestamp for at the end what time we talk about that non-spoiler. We're going to do the spoilers of the movie first, so if you don't want to know the spoilers, I'm going to take like a 10-second break and then come back. Okay, so spoilers. Where do you want to start, Josh? Well, I think I'd want to start about where they, not even at the halfway point of the, or not even where the intermission was, but mainly where they do the flashback. Okay. Because I think that's probably the most problematic part of the movie for me in that they essentially tell you exactly what happened, and then they show you exactly what happened right after that. And they said, so they're here, and Samuel L. Jackson's kind of connected a lot of the dots, and he knows that someone is working with working with Daisy Domergue, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, 
And then he's just sitting there and he's saying, all right, so one of you, you guys came by earlier and you killed all the people that were here. And then he sh shoots one of them and then he gets shot by Channing Tatum in the basement and then they go right back to the beginning of the day. And he just, he just completely in, like explains everything and then they show it. And um, we can talk a little bit about Channing Tatum's casting, but some people thought that was kind of not good casting. And I think if they, if they go back and do that differently, it's okay. Because just the way that scene is shot, it's fine. I think it's really kind of jarring to see how the Channing Tatum... Because that's what one thing he can do well as an actor is be as charming as that guy is trying to be in that flashback scene. So him being like that, and then all of a sudden becoming like a menacing killer, killing the absolutely nicest people you've ever met, like in theory, that's a pretty devastating blow and a should be fairly, uh, fairly moving and really gut-wrenching type thing to watch, but you already are expecting all of it because they've just told it to you 10 minutes before. So I think that he plays that part well as a guy that's having to pretend to be really charming and then flip that switch. Like, I thought he was fine with that, but the whole, the whole kind of, the whole last hour of the movie, you kind of know how it's going to go, I think, and that's kind of the biggest problem. Usually with Tarantino stuff, you, you don't know what you're going to see. Like, anything could happen because it's he's such an so innovative and original with everything he does that you're that's probably one of the best parts i mean aside from just listening to his dialogue to begin with is having such a unique storyteller and here he kind of spoils his, his own movie it's weird yeah this is the least original plot i think that i've watched from tarantino well aside from jackie brown which is in uh it's based on a a, a book but yeah i mean sure but f film wise yeah, yeah it's yeah. you the thing is it's, it's just a copy of other movies that happen and I just don't really I don't know it didn't really move me that's that's my biggest problem with it is I watch it and I'm like this is this is good but I've seen this before from Tarantino and I just didn't care as much as I did with the other movies because it like you said it just gives itself away and you know that instead of one person it's all of them and since it's all of them it's just less compelling because there's no like secret it's just like all right everyone's in on it so I don't know I mean I kind of liked how I mean, I don't, I don't think everyone's in on anything. That's part of the thing is that it all goes wrong because they didn't know that they were gonna have to deal with the Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt everyone. Tim, I mean Tim Roth, Walter Gog, or Tim Roth, they, they Michael Madsen. Um, uh, oh, all the, all them are in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I guess I, I, I get what you mean now. But um, yeah, that 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 wasn't necessarily a problem for me. That that's how it went because. Like I said, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like I felt like I'd seen that specific thing before. I just didn't know if they told that story in the best way. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, I, I actually just rewatched Reservoir Dogs last night because it was the one movie of his that I just hadn't seen in a long time. And there are some parallels to that, and then so much of it takes place in, in one room, and there's a big shootout at the end. But um, it is different in that in that one, everyone really is like, it, that's a story of one unified group kind of turning against each other, whereas here it's, Two, a bunch of different parties kind of trying to figure itself out, even if one segment of that was working together. So I did feel like there was, it was a little bit different right there, but I felt like it should have been more moving at the end. The whole thing with him and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Walton Goggins working together, like I felt like maybe he wanted us to f take some kind of lesson away from that with the racist guy coming to work with the black guy, but I didn't, I don't really feel whatever it was he was going for there really came through. And I, that whole sequence with them just kind of, just like him deciding that he's not going to shoot Samuel L. Jackson and them working together to to hang Jennifer Jason Lee, like I don't know, it didn't really, it, like you said, it wasn't moving to me. But it, I don't even know if that was more a matter of it not being original as much as it just not being really interesting. Oh, see, I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Samuel. L. I thought Gog Goggins was probably the best performance. No, he was amazing. I just don't know if that 
like his performance throughout was really good. I just didn't know if that that sequence didn't, didn't really do it. You didn't believe it. You didn't believe him that he would do that. It wasn't that I didn't believe he would do it. I just like I agree with you. I didn't find it that moving. Yeah. What 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 are like what are we supposed? Okay, wow. He because the because the woman poisoned him. Now he's going to team up with the black guy. Like okay, cool. But it didn't like overall. Like I didn't know like what what he what what the movie's trying to say there because I feel like it's trying to say something, but it doesn't really do it in that interesting of a way. Well, to me, it's just like okay, we have this pretty interesting lead up, and then all right, now it's just time for everybody to shoot and die, and it's just like I've seen that before from Tarantino, and I wanted something. I don't know. I don't want to say a little more mature because it's you know that's not really how Tarantino goes. You're not going to be one of those. Oh no, I can't deal with all the Tarantino violence. Yeah, it's unnecessary. No, I mean, I love. The I saw violence. some of that too. Yeah, no, I, I love the violence. Don't get me wrong. I just kind of wanted something different than something I've seen before from him in, in, in that respect. With Django ended the same way. Reservoir Dogs ends the same way. Inglorious well, well, ends the same way. Well, Django, they I mean people actually get out alive. Okay. But Spoiler there's alert. just shootout, shootout, shootout. Everyone dies. Like, so what would you have wanted? Well, here's the thing, right? Is the movie's called Hateful Eight, and where as much as he wants to paint Samuel L. Jackson as the one pe- person who you might be like, okay, that guy's okay. He's punching Daisy too. Yeah, for I mean, just for shits and gigs. I mean, they're all terrible people, right? And it's like, okay, these hateful people all die, and I get that. But to me, it's just like I shrugged. Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't understand why people were like so. Yeah, it gets really good at the end and stuff. Because to me, it would have been interesting to see. Yeah, it didn't need to end in an explosion of violence. Like that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with inherently with violence. But I thought the much more original part of the movie was the first part where you're trying to you're having to hang out with all these people. And like you said, they all are really bad. You think you might like Samuel L. Jackson, then he starts just punching Daisy too and doesn't really see a problem with that. And you you kind of like throughout like you should hate Walton Goggins' character more than you do, but he, it's it's such a oh shucks performance at the same time as being some virulent racist that you can't totally hate him. And then you feel really weird about not totally hating him because wait this guy's this con- this Confederate dude that went out around and killed a country, bunch of black guys during the Civil War. Like why don't I really really hundred percent hate him and only ninety percent hate him? And I like having to struggle with that throughout. And you're seeing all your these alliances kind of move around with these people. But then, like you lose, you lose a lot of that ambiguity when it turns out that like the the Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, uh, Damian Bashir triumvirate are all like really, really terrible too. And then it's like, all right, wow, like like you said, maybe if not all of them had been um, working with Daisy, it would have been even more interesting to see just that whole entire first half just be more elongated. And yeah, there might maybe might have been some violence along the way, but as opposed to a all out shootout, maybe you just have it be on a somewhat smaller scale than that in a way that's a little more interesting where you keep these people talking in a room not really sure who you're supposed to be there for but just being entertained by the dialogue as opposed it just goes for traditional violence down the stretch yeah and that struggle you're talking about with goggins is just that's that's tarantino right there that's tarantino presenting you as someone and then like like hans landa and then yeah and then writing it and being like oh well you know i kind of want to root for that guy (laughs) <laughs> and and it's like it makes you pick right he kind of makes you pick who you want to root for and that's kind of the fun of this kind of movie at least is there's eight people and you kind of get to i mean before they tell you exactly what happens you kind of get to be like well i don't know maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe it's this and i don't know one thing that not not that it bothered me but i think it was a discredit to the movie was that kurt russell died so early because his character was awesome and his interactions with Samuel L., like yeah. you said, were great. Because it's like, and, yeah, they obviously, like, I, I liked how they were like, 
so down to team up, but then he was still skeptical at the same time. And just sitting in the carriage, it's like these guys have some weird respect for each other, but it's not totally there. And like there's like because he because he's Tarantino is the best at just getting tension out of words and nothing else. And they're just sitting in that carriage and like. At first, this guy has this very gruff demeanor, so it's like, yeah, maybe he could just turn against the black guy at any time because he's, like I said, he's he seems to think he's somewhat enlightened, but you know he's not all the way like totally cool. And then even when he's just reading the letter like in the carriage, and like even before like he pushes it into Daisy's face, I'm like, she's gonna spit on that letter. I knew that was gonna happen, but I was like waiting for it. And I, like it was just really really good, and I don't understand why people hated on that ride so much because then you add Goggins into the mix and it's just like a, it was awesome it, those are the four best characters in the movie just kind of hanging out and like I could have just hung out with them for a long time and did you have a problem with the with with all the him beating up on her like um because I mean some people really have been troubled by that but I feel like it's more just like a device that's there to like make you struggle with yourself kind of like we we're talking about and I mean he's not saying it's okay to hit woman. He's saying this is how this character treated this woman and you might like this character, but now you got to deal with him doing that to her. Yeah. I mean, in context, it, it makes sense as to what he's doing as a bounty hunter and the time period, but it was also like hard to watch with the, with the sound effects that Tarantino has and with the, the camera shooting, the way that it was close up and the way her nose is bleeding and everything. It was just, I mean, like you said, it's again, it's a struggle and that's Tarantino showing you that the, none of these characters are, someone you should root for but yeah i mean i don't know that i had a problem with it i didn't enjoy watching it though yeah I mean, you shouldn't yeah it, it feels a little uncomfortable when she gets punched in the face but like i appreciate like what he's what he's doing there and i was almost like i i, I then i felt even worse because when she does spit on the lincoln letter i'm like yeah, you should throw her out of the carriage for a second. I'm like, like I would be really mad if I got a letter from Abraham Lincoln too, and someone did that to my Abraham Lincoln letter. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm just enjoying a lot of like the the first half, even the second time I watched it. I'm enjoying a lot of what it's making you think, and I think, it, like you said, it kind of really simplifies things in the second half. And not only is it just a traditional violent ending, but it's one that like I still would have even been a little more entertained by if he didn't like telegraph the entire thing at the same time yeah and that's one thing you actually just said is the the entire movie is is honestly it's really simple um sort of like how the revenant was and not that it shouldn't be simple you can still get interesting things from simplicity but i don't know i just kind of expected a little more depth from tarantino on this one and i didn't really get it yeah i think yeah because I, I i was really excited to go back and watch it and you're like you're what you were like wow i don't know it seemed pretty straightforward and then after i watched it the second time i was like why did I want to go see that again? I mean, like, but yeah, there's stuff I could still take from it, but like, I could have, I could have spent my three hours yesterday, like, rewatching and like Django or something, what like I haven't seen in a couple of years, and I feel like I would probably would have gotten more out of that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, did you even if you didn't like the movie as a whole, would you have liked to have seen? I, um, I didn't say I didn't like it. Or yeah, I, I, we keep we 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 do need to keep putting this back in that proper context where it's like just might not like it compared to his other films, even if you were entertained by a lot of it is a more fair way to say it. Yeah, it only got three Oscar nominations the other day, and we're gonna like I said, we keep mentioning we're gonna do a more awards heavy podcast at some point, but um, it got uh, Jennifer Jason Lee nominated cinematography and score, and the score was really good. Like I a lot of times I don't I don't notice score like some people. Some people really get all in on score when talking about a movie after the fact, and it's just usually one of the last things on my mind. But I did notice it more, and I wasn't even necessarily looking out for it because I, the Oscar nominations had come out the day before. It just like it did hit me at the right moments. Like it, it, a lot of times my problem with score is that it's like telling you how to feel before the movie's actually gotten to that point. Like it just gets very foreshadowy, and I don't like that. But here is like you kind of knew what was going to happen where. 
it it did start playing in a certain way. Like once they drank the poison coffee, then you're kind of waiting for it to happen, and then the score kind of kicks in a little more. So I like it when you can connect the dots for it first, and then it just kind of enhances it like that. And I thought they did a good job of that. Yeah, no, I would say the score was really good and. Uh, it looked I, great, so you can't you gotta be happy yeah, with the cinematography yeah. thing. And and I thought Jennifer Jason Leigh was really cool. Like I, um, I mean not not exactly the deepest category, unfortunately, the um, supporting actress. But I think it was a true. I think that I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff before, besides like the mom and Spectacular Now and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I know she did a lot of stuff in the '90s that I haven't seen. But like I, I really enjoyed the character. I mean, I thought that. I mean, it was really cool. I, I I I was more impressed though with Walton Goggins and Kurt Russell and Samuel L. Jackson. But I mean, I can't complain with her getting recognized and um, supporting actor is just like such a loaded category. But I felt like you could have almost made an argument for Samuel L. Jackson being like. Why wouldn't he be lead? You know, I'm saying you could. Oh, like the other two said, guys were. You said supporting. I think I think they tried to campaign with the Oscar campaign with him as um, lead, and I don't know if they even tried to get the other two two dudes nominated for Oscars. But like lead actor is such such a weak category this year. And it would have been cool to see Samuel L. Jackson get recognized in this way because his only other Oscar nominations is for Jules in Pulp Fiction, which is, like, totally deserved. But when you think about the career that guy's had, like, who knows when the next time – I mean, I'm sure he'll be in next Tarantino's next mo- movie in some in some capacity, but probably not going to be quite as featured as he was here. And this – he was really good. Like, I even noticed other things when I saw it last night, like, where he was – like even just expressions that he has when he's not talking, and he gets some great monologues. We didn't talk about the one that led up to the first intermission. Like that, that that's right up there with some of the stuff that he's done before in like Pulp Fiction. But he like there, there were like when the first time Daisy is saying things at him in in that carriage ride, his reactions to her were just like really good, and he's covering himself in, in part with that bandana. But you can even see it with his eyes. Like he's really good even in the moments when he's not talking. We know he can say the Tarantino dialogue, but like. Even more so, and I, I rewatched Pulp Fiction too recently, and like even more so in this than Pulp Fiction, like the scene, like it does focus on his eyes and his face some when he's not the one saying the dialogue, and he's like really good in those moments too. And I wish that he would have gotten recognized because like Trumbo really sucked kind of overall, like as a movie, and Brian Cranston was just whatever. He's great, but like how how is that? How does yeah, how he's do you not watch, he's not better than Samuel how do you, how do you watch movie? those two movies and like nominate him for an Oscar but not Samuel? Well, the white people didn't watch the Tarantino movie, so. You don't think so? No, not the Oscar people. They don't care. I guess. I mean, they, they saw Kurt Russell and Goggins and everyone else. I don't know if they saw Samuel Jackson in the movie, but yeah, I mean, him and Michael B. Jordan are clearly better than other people that were nominated for lead actor. To yeah, me. I don't know, but I just wanted to like, I just wanted to dwell on him for a minute because yeah. I thought he was really good. I think Goggins could have got a supporting. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Kurt Russell was category. in long long enough to get it. Yeah, I just funny. I read somewhere that like he had such a fun time on the set that he just like stayed stayed uh, two days after they shot the scene where he died. He just hung out, hung out, and was a corpse, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I like I like I like this movie set. I like hanging out with you people. I'm just gonna come back. You can, I'll just sit through the makeup and be a corpse for two days on on set, which I think he did, which is cool. Um, did you have anything else you want to talk about the movie? Because I had a couple casting what ifs that I wanted to see what your thoughts were that I heard about Shoot. with the movie. Go ahead. Um, apparently, I, I don't. I heard this one rumor, and some people said it seemed more sure about it than others. That originally Tarantino wanted Jennifer Lawrence to be Daisy. Would you have been? Do you think that would have enhanced the movie, or would have been a little bit of a distraction to have like someone like her, as, as famous quite now as she is in that role? Would you have just been thinking, "I'm watching Jennifer Lawrence," or do you think she could have pulled that off and added something? Uh, man, I don't know. I hadn't heard that before. Um, I don't know. I actually wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't as high on Jennifer Jason Lee as a lot of other people mm-hmm. were. Not that I thought she was bad. I just kind of. I don't know. If, I don't know. 
I think with all the makeup and everything, Jennifer Lawrence could have done it, but I don't know if I would have liked it any better. But I don't know who I would have liked the most in that. I just kind of was a little... I kind of wish she had a little bit more than what she had for me. I mean, she didn't... She was just there to literally almost be a punching bag in the first half of the movie, but I just really enjoyed, like, her demeanor and her facial expressions no, every for time sure. something for happened sure. like that. That was a Tarantino thing, though, at the same time, like, writing it like that for her to... I mean, sure, she has to act it that way, but... Mm-hmm. I like the role was good. I just I don't know if if I loved her in it. I just don't know what, like what another actress would have really totally made it that much different. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what would have changed. I think it was just because it was a little bit more behind the scenes than I guess. I feel like if you add guys. Jennifer Lawrence to that, it just feels like almost like I don't know. It feels she's. It almost seems like she's. It'd be cool to see her try and do that in some movies. Just like come be a a supporting presence that just kind of like steals a couple scenes. But it almost feels like too much of a cameo to have her pop in and then Channing Tatum pop in at the same time. Yeah. And that was my next question is like, I, I was cool with Channing Tatum, even if I didn't like how that whole sequence was executed. Did you think that was okay? Yeah, I loved him. I thought he was okay. great. I okay. thought he was great. Because apparently Viggo Mortensen was initially going to be considered for that role. Oh, no. Which would have been weird, I thought. Like, I thought it was, if you're going to, if like I said, that could have been edited together differently or just done in a different way. And like we said, we just didn't love that second half of the movie regardless. But I think to get with, to accomplish what they wanted that character to accomplish, it was good to have someone like him. Like I saw someone said, "Well, she's eighteen years older than him, but like she doesn't look like she's fifty three. I mean, so I I, I didn't. And Vigo think, looks like he's seventy. So yeah, I mean. exactly. So I I didn't. I I don't know. I, I I thought that like he was fine, even if I didn't love that part of the movie. And my my last question for you was, so I, it was a criticism some people had, and it didn't really bother me that much. And then I just kept thinking about it, and I wasn't sure what to think. But some people said like. Tim Roth's not even in that movie if if Christoph Waltz isn't filming Spectre. Do you think that that was like a part that was just written for him and then he couldn't do it? I'll say that I think that Tarantino took too much of Django, Christoph Waltz, and put it in this movie, which is maybe why people are saying that. But I thought Tim Roth was really good. So I don't know why people would complain because, I mean, yeah, I think that Tarantino wrote that similarly to how he wrote Christoph and Django. But I don't think that I don't I didn't want Kristoff in that role. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a little. It seemed that maybe that would have been a little too obvious because I really enjoyed him in the first half. Like you said, we we don't know what the best way to go about doing that would have been with all those other guys as opposed to making them all be working together. But I didn't really like. I really liked him being this presence of a guy that was just seemed totally happy to be there. And it was just kind of funny. All these people are taking themselves so seriously and getting so like close to on the edge of violence and the Michael Madsen guy is just like totally serious and he's just there like I, I was just like it's really funny to watch this guy just be totally comfortable there and just chilling and everyone else is like about the off, off the rocker like I thought it was really cool and like I can see why his demeanor was kind of similar to those roles Christoph Waltz has played but I wasn't like this would have been so much better if he could have been there yeah no I, I actually really I think he was probably my second or third favorite role in the movie really? okay yeah he was awesome I loved his his smiling and his like like you said, everyone's all uptight, and he's just smiling, and, hey, would you like some coffee? Yes, coffee's over there. You can make it. No, no, no. And it's like, all right, dude, I, I get it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we watched Reservoir Dogs last night, and he's not even playing someone that's British in that. And, like, he did a really good non-American like accent, and he was so good in that. And, obviously, he has the two scenes in Pulp Fiction, and I can't remember if he has – I think he might have a cameo in Inglorious. Um but yeah, that's about it. So it's like, I, I enjoyed him there, and it'd be interesting to see what other stuff he, he does. But I yeah, like you said, I, I enjoyed his presence. And I, I some people some reviews I read, though, were just like kind of were very dismissive of him. And it's like, he's just doing a Christoph Waltz impersonation. And I didn't really feel that. I liked what he added to the movie in the first half. And it would have been cool to see all those guys instead of kind of turn into one 
team of like guys that aren't really that different from one another essentially by the end if they had found a way to because like I like that mix of characters in the first half and once it and once you have the reveal of them all working together in the second half they don't they kind of lose some of that individuality I felt like and it, it, that having that mix in the personalities in the first half it was what made it so good in my opinion yeah they just become like martyrs yeah and it's yeah, just yeah. like I don't they don't really care if that. they die and we don't yeah. really know why they care so much about Daisy exactly that they're, like, exactly doing that yeah yeah for all sure. right um do you have anything else on the movie no man i i mean i liked it i just wanted i wanted more from it and even though i enjoyed it i i didn't get exactly what i wanted yeah i don't disagree like i feel like i don't after seeing it again i don't i just it just didn't hold up enough for me to be able to say i would have done that so yeah yeah okay so you want to do tarantino now yeah, I mean, did you have stuff you want to talk about with regards to him? I just wanted to see what, what our Tarantino movie rankings looked like. I didn't, yeah. Did you, you? But you kept calling it a Tarantino discussion. I didn't know if you had some other oh, stuff you, no, some I other mean, thoughts you wanted to share about him after watching this. Uh, no, no, it was it was in his lane for sure. One of the things I've been kind of hearing about Tarantino, and because I really have read a lot of the, listened to a lot of the interviews he's done, and read a lot of the stuff about him within the course of the publicity for this movie, and everyone's talking about how you can divide his movies up into three groups of three, and. Uh, they're very similar, and the third one is a little bit upending of the prior two in some regard, or subversion, or whatever you want to call it. And so, hopefully, he, so it seems like now that he's kind of completed this one, and this seems to be maybe in some way of a piece of Inglorious Bastards and Django, that he'll go off and do something else. I've also heard him say he wants to do more westerns, so he can be considered a western director. And I'm like, I don't really know why this means so much to you. You can do, you've shown you can do so many different things, and you've done a couple of these western type things now. Like, go do something different. I'm not even sure what I would want him to do, but he clearly shows he's had a, has a lot of range as a director. Do you have any idea what kind of movie you'd want to see him do next, or just something different? Because that's about where I'm at. Something something different would be nice. It's been Western, 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 and I just I just like his storytelling some more. So if he can find somewhere unique to tell it again, then I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see it no matter what, you know, so whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we wanted to kind of just go through because I've never really done this exercise with Anthony, but I wanted to see what how close we would be if we came and ranked the Tarantino movies from one to nine. Uh, I guess I can just go through mine and you can you can do yours. You want to sure. do it like that? Or sure. we can do one, one, two, two. Cool. Yeah. See, you want. see how much we match up. So uh, first for me, and this is kind of tough for me because I always like to joke that Inglorious Bastards is Jew porn, and it was just so fun seeing the Nazis get killed. But I really think that I I would still put Pulp Fiction number one for me. I, I got Inglorious number one. Okay, yeah, I, I just think I've I've seen it so many times, and the fact that it holds up so well for me every time I watch it. The one thing that would make me I can't I I, I could just as easily feel fine about myself putting Inglorious number two is because in Pulp Fiction the Bruce Willis stuff with his woman is just like really hard to watch and get through, but everything else is really amazing. So and yeah, I, I think I, I think Pulp Fiction has the best scenes of Tarantino movies, but I like Inglorious better. I don't know. I'd succeed for me. I'd say the the first scene in the well, barroom scene of Inglorious are better I, I just, than anything. I just else. mean. Like scene by scene, Pulp Fiction is probably better. Okay, but I like Inglorious as a movie better. Yeah, I'd say Inglorious has the two best scenes out of any of yeah, his movies. The first, the first scene is my favorite Tarantino scene. Yeah, in Inglorious. I actually so. just rewatched that before this podcast, and it is amazing. And that and the barroom scene, I think, are his two best individual scenes out of all the movies. But like, I think for me, almost throughout, like I just. I don't know. It's just something about the characters in Pulp Fiction. Like, yeah, Inglorious has Hans Landa, which is probably a top three character in all the movies. But after him, it's like none of the characters are really like. I, I like what Brad Pitt does in the movie, fine, and I like what some of the other characters do in their smaller roles. But as far as just having a lot of interesting people, like I think because of that, Pulp Fiction is probably one for me. And I have Inglorious too. 
Okay, I have Pulp Fiction too. Okay, so, so. We, we kind of said all we need to say on that. Um, I have Django 3. I got Reservoir Dogs. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think it's a much more straightforward. Like, it's probably the most straightforward of all the stories. He doesn't mess around with time in that one at all. It just kind of goes straight through, so... I don't know. It just maybe it just holds up a little bit better for me in that regard. The the stuff in Django that gets to me more now is the shooting stuff at the end. It just it feels different than the movie, and it feels like the movie was already over at that point, kind of. Yeah, it did feel like it went on for like a extra twenty minutes or so, thirty minutes. So I have that's I actually have it a little bit lower. So oh, I, well, I had Reservoir Dogs four. I have Kill Bill Volume two, and I had, and I had Kill Bill two right after that. I uh, have Kill Bill I two have, is like amazing. Yeah. Like I yeah. I don't know like the. The first one obviously has the best action scene out of any of his movies with the, the little Chinese man and yeah. the bride going after all them. But it's that movie, just, the first one just feels like a few different set pieces and nothing else, which is cool. It shows that he has the ability to direct that kind of thing, which was different than anything he had done to that point. But like you actually know who these people are in the second movie. And that really, it, it, everything they go through resonates a little bit more because you feel like you know them as people. So... Once you've seen everything she's went through, and then she finally sees her daughter, like that, like that, that probably like had more of an emotional impact on me than just about anything I've ever watched in any of the movies. Like the whole sequence in which which she's with her daughter, but before the confrontation with Bill that you know has to come, like that was like probably like the most moving thing for me out of any of the nine movies, and that's why like I had to like put it up there. Yeah, no, I really like Volume Two. I have you said you already said five, right? Uh, that that was my fifth after yeah, I, have, I have Death Proof Five. Wow, I love okay. Death Proof. What, what, Why do what you hate Death Proof? I didn't hate it. I, I mean, I still have. I have it last. I'll say it now. Oh, like, I have Hateful Eight last. Okay, I, I knew you had that. But like, so, what did you love so much about Death Proof? The the second half. I mean, the first half of the movie, you don't really know what's going on, right? You're kind of confused as to what the plot is, and I really like Kurt Russell's character in the first half, and then you aren't sure like what kind of dude he is. Like, you think he might be like a murderer, and then. You watching like oh shit this happens and you're so taken aback and you have no fucking idea like what happened in the middle of the movie and then they just do this complete parallel in the second half which was fucking awesome and the racing scene was so tight and the the last scene of the movie is I just I like I'm so giddy about it. I love the last scene of that movie it's awesome you don't like the last scene Did that that wasn't cool to you I mean it was cool I don't know it just I don't know. I guess I just didn't didn't do as much for me. I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked I don't know, it. Like I said, it's last. I I had Jackie Brown after Kill Bill two. I have Django six and then Kill Bill volume one and Jackie Brown and Hateful Eight. Okay, yeah. So I'll just say it then I I had Jackie Brown then Hateful Eight then Kill Bill one then Death Proof. So yeah, it seems like we differ a little more on the back half. Where do you, where do you have Hateful Eight seven? Uh, I have it seven. Yeah, then seven Kill Bill one then Death okay. Proof. Um, yeah, I mean, like I I watched Jack, like I I don't know why I waited so long, but I watched Jackie Brown for the first time the other day and. Um, I, I, without going into much detail, I just think that it, it, it's cool how different it is from some of the other stuff. It takes place in a much more grounded universe, I'd say. That, yeah, as to no that. doubt, no doubt. And it's interesting to see him kind of working within that and seeing that he has the ability to do that. And, um, it was really funny, Robert De Niro performance. Oh my God. Dude, I had no idea he was in the movie. And... I, I didn't know he was either until I watched it. And it was just so different from anything he's ever done. So I really appreciated that. And I don't, I, it was kind of cool to see, like... I, I couldn't tell you Robert Forrester's name before I watched that, but that's a very, it's a really, really amazing performance, and it is the only Oscar nomination for the whole movie, which is understandable. But it's like kind of cool to see a character actor that you knew from seeing his face everywhere, but actually, oh, yeah. like, actually, like have a large speaking role in a movie and then totally killing it. So that was really cool, and um, it might for me it was maybe a little too much at times, um, a little too talky about the events that were going on within it, and a little too much. Um, 
um, who's playing who, who's doing this, who's doing that. But like overall, it's still a pretty satisfying story. It just didn't have like quite the highs of a lot of the other movies, but it was still yeah. well done. Yeah, no, no, it's well done for sure. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I just still can't believe you don't like Death Proof that much. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think Death Proof's the worst one, but it's, I don't know, it's awesome. And I, it just, it's just like an awesome movie to watch. It's cool, me. I guess. I don't know. It just didn't do a ton for me. I, I, I don't want to dwell too much. I, I have a couple of questions I need to ask you about later about it because I guess I never really talked to you about it after I watched it. So maybe yeah. maybe I didn't watch, appreciate some of it in the right way. But yeah, so I mean, I guess like we had a fairly similar first half besides Django. You said you had Django like six or seven? Six, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I really like Django, but I just, the end is a little much for me in terms of storytelling. I wish it was over earlier. But I love Jamie Foxx. But some people think some people think that like because like the whole thing about how Will Smith turned that down, like he Will thank Smith, God. Yeah, I still disagree on that. But he uh, he didn't like that it felt like uh, Christoph Waltz got to be the hero in the movie instead of the black guy. But at the, but like yeah. it, it does give um, Django his moment at the end. Like you wanted it to end earlier, but if it ends earlier, then Christoph Waltz is the hero and Django doesn't get that moment. So I think that's one of the redeeming things about having it go on longer is that Django actually gets to do some cool shit at the end instead of just being the white guy helping the black guy. Yeah, no, I hear you, but I mean, if he needed to extend it twenty minutes, maybe you should have rewritten it a little more. That's fair enough, I guess. I mean, I love I love that cast really, Leo. Um, Kerry Washington, Kerry Washington, Chris Walton Goggins, who I think is Goggins, weird because he's in it. Samuel not very long, but and Samuel character is fucking unbelievable in Jenga, mm-hmm. and Jamie Fox obviously. But yeah, Kerry Washington's really good in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, well, I think that's about it. Yeah, guys. So thanks for listening again. Um, we appreciate it. You can find us at Gmail fifty two in fifty two pot at gmail Find me on Twitter at A Clambake, A K L A K L A M B A K E. At Josh Renovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. All right, guys, thanks. Au revoir, listeners.